Pits, start your engines. Here's your race team for today. Show producer, Ronnie Black. Track reporter and racing insider, Nelson Crozier. Former NASCAR team manager and author, Greg Moore. Now, here's your host for Start Your Engines, racing historian and author, Perry Allen Wood. Good morning and welcome to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg. We had to rush to our seats because of all the celebrities out in the lobby. Well, that was fun talking to uh, Doc and Doug. It, it was, and uh, I never met Doc before. I've known Doug for years, so uh, yeah, that was good. That was I wish I'd have heard that whole show, but anyway, we got a room full here today, and we appreciate everybody joining us for Start Your Engines. Good morning, Greg. Good morning to you. How you doing? Well, doing pretty good. All right. Got, and a, little, got a little bit of infection in my from heat and pollen, but other than that... Uh, We've had pretty good luck with uh, rounding up some real good celebrities today, and we got our new guy coming on board. And Gene. <laughs> well, anyway, anyway, you can call him Gene. Yep, uh, Gene's going to be a big asset to the team, and, and uh, like I say, Nelson. For the next but, ten years, Gene, you're new guy. Yeah, <laughs> I, can, I can I can deal with that. Well, you just took over from me being a new guy, and welcome to Eugene. Oh, uh, thank. Well, <laughs> That's it. Welcome to Eugene. <laughs> Welcome to you, Gene. That's probably never been said before. But, um, yeah, I, I, if you didn't get a chance to see last Sunday's paper, I was, of course, I've been reading your stuff for years, like I said, and uh, and your uh, your write-ups last week were excellent. I just, I loved reading about it. And we got a two-hour show today, so Gene's going to be on a lot, and he's going to do a whole segment in the second hour, uh, catch us up on what's happening locally. Yeah, I'm, uh, I've took some notes over the last few days, hopefully, uh, give everybody some good information uh what's coming up today and uh over the next little bit so looking forward to it glad to be here well if anybody remembers the 1958 southern 500 which they probably don't other than me it was a wreck fest they had so many cars wrecked that day that uh i can't remember where they had the next race because it was like in the middle of the week they when they used to race a, like a hundred miler at concord or someplace but they wrecked so many cars in the 58 southern 500 they almost didn't have enough to have the next race and greg that's sort of what i was thinking about from daytona last saturday night they tore up some cars well you know me and my man were sitting there watching it and off and on and it really looked that way it looked like you know some of this stage racing and everything it seemed like it sped them up. It still confuses people, but that's the closest I've seen, like I say, since Perry's talking about 1958. Uh, I, I don't know if I was at that race or not. Well, if you uh, were, you were one year old. If I was, I was one year old with my rubber britches. And and, <laughs> and now you're wearing them again. And wearing them again. That's right. That's right. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. But just kidding. Uh, no, no, that's true. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing, the thing was, uh, they were getting real close to not have enough and if I think they had one more, don't they limit it to the, the, the two two tries at the green white checker now? Um, no, I, didn't they go to unlimited? I think they went to unlimited. They're gonna, but anyway, you uh, they you're had, right. They uh, they by didn't have nobody left. They to didn't run. have that was the problem. They didn't have anybody to wave the flag at. I know it. I know it. And uh, really, it, it was a a good a good fight. You know, it was a good race. It was entertaining, that's for sure. But you know what else? Um, We've been talking about the same three guys dominating, uh, Truex, 
Harvick and Kyle Busch, and uh, and it still came down to Truex and Harvick. You know, they were two of the three, two of the survivors, and uh, I was kind of glad that ne- neither one of them won. And uh, Eric Jones got his first win, driving uh, driving for Gibbs, and he's the one that uh, unseated Matt Kenseth in the twenty car. Yeah, it it was like I say, it was a, it was an exciting race, but it, it, it like Perry said about I didn't have enough cars to to finish that deal, and uh, had some had some wrecks. You know, everybody walked away. Thank goodness they did. And uh, well, I'm a I'm a casual enough fan. I love to watch it when they have wrecks like I, that. I when, too, you, when nobody gets hurt, nobody wants to see anybody get hurt. But my God, I got tired of them last week. <laughs> well, the thing about it, you usually know at Talladega and um, Daytona they're going to have the big one. But I mean, this was multiple the big ones. I know I'm pretty sure one of those wrecks had at least 20 cars in it and maybe maybe more than one the other one I'm I'm sure had at least 12 or 12 or 13 so I mean you're talking about 35 cars right there that in one way or another were in was involved and they they didn't go out of the race all of them some of them did but that's that's a lot of cars that's a bunch of cars and you know somebody got to pay for those cars and them being Daytona cars there's extra even though we work in a, in a closer closer box as far as aerodynamics and zero tolerances but you still do a whole lot more to the body when you're running at daytona and talladega and uh that was some pretty that was a very expensive race for some cars. very expensive and i hope uh I'd, I'd say we can pretty much count on um nelson in our last segment of the first hour having some good information about uh about what all went on down there and uh, the ramifications for what it will mean at Kentucky, which is where they are tonight. And um, Kentucky wouldn't be too bad of a track. It's a fast track. It's a, it's not Daytona or Talladega, and it's not a slow track like Martinsville, but there, there's a pretty good opportunity for some payback here. Oh, definitely, definitely. And uh, there's some controversies going on up around Charlotte that Nelson uh, clue us in on. And... Uh, you know, we're working on getting Menard, but we couldn't get uh, Paul Menard with Wood Brothers at this point. But I did talk to Wood Brothers, and they said that uh, the stage racing, you got to really watch what you're doing. In other words, it's, it's different than being, it's different than getting out of sync uh, on a road course. And uh, but Paul Menard apparently, from from talking to Lynn, and we see it on TV in certain segments, but he is actually very much more competitive than he looks. Well, he looks pretty competitive. Yeah, I know. I, I think he's going to win one. I, I sometimes have a trouble with the Wood Brothers having a yellow car because of that Menard sponsorship. But, uh, no, he's more than holding his own, and I think he's doing a better job than he did with Childress. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, as Leonard told us here, you know, uh, several weeks ago, he's a super – he's a good, great talent. I mean, you don't – you know, he won Andy. He won Andy. And uh, – he, he's just been running real good with the Wood Brothers, but because of the way the cautions fell and the way of the rules with the stages, they were in a pretty good position to win that race down at Daytona, and things fell wrong. Yeah. And uh, they said Minority even got he, – he actually got a little bit angry for the first time. Yeah. So and they, Well, getting a little bit angry can make you a better driver. You can't keep taking it. You know, no. you got to you – gotta, say enough's enough and, and maybe even dish it out a little bit he's been around a long time he has he has i mean he, and, and and he needs to this is the time to step up your game well he's he's stepping it up and and they say he's great 
communicator with the crew chief, you know, about what he wants on the car. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot more potential in Bob Menard than what we ever thought. Uh, I mean, I always thought he was good. But. Well, the thing that Paul Menard's had to fight, and he's not the first one and he won't be the last one, but it's his rich daddy. I mean, they can – not that he's ever done this. I'm not saying that. Right. But, I mean, he, they could buy a ride if he needed a car. You know, Menard's is a big – chain up north we don't have them down here too much that i'm aware of but um you know it, it's uh along the line of target and stuff like yeah. that and uh i mean if paul menard wants a ride you know somebody could write a check and he'd have one but he's had to prove himself and, and yeah. to me and um he's really only had the children's ride and now he's got the uh he's, he's switched to the wood brothers and so i think it's time to you know it's time to, to go he did win indianapolis he won it fair and square yeah but uh they had a race last night and i was actually downtown at the freight yard watching david ball so i Where, missed it don't mention that i'm i'm ashamed, I'm ashamed. <laughs> I, I was supposed to win and you kept reminding me well, the thing about it, David grew up with uh, with Greg and I right yeah. there in Fernwood, and we played with him all the time. And uh, I know it. I felt bad for him by listening. And, and you said that the, all our friends from Fernwood were over yeah, in there. Yeah, awful lot of them. Except for me. Well, and, uh, and Sam. Like me and Sam. Well, we're the, we're the black sheep of the neighborhood for right now. But the good news is, and uh, we're not getting paid for this. Uh, David's been a friend of mine for 50 years. He's there again tonight. So you still got another chance. It's a great show, and uh, and I don't know if you remember Uncle Walt's band, but they had Champ Hood, and both the oh, Champs' yeah. kids are you know play with David, and um, that fiddle player uh, and and the other guitar player, and it's a it's a great show. But my point is, I didn't go and watch the uh, Loudon race last night. Uh, not Loudon, <laughs> uh, Kentucky Xfinity race. I've got Loudon written on top of my page here to tell me where they are next week, but. Um, about all I can tell you is Christopher Bell took the lead with 17 laps to go from Jason Allgaier and um, won the race. Other than that, I don't know a whole heck of a lot. Jeremy Clemens was uh, 18th, the last car on the lead lap. Have they done anything at Kentucky about the entrance and egress of fans? Because, you know, when they, they first opened that track to NASCAR, it was hell on wheels getting in and out of there. I remember that, but have they done anything to improve that? I don't have any idea, but I know I somebody that can tell us. Uh, that's another Nelson question. That's another Nelson question. And uh, to go back just a second to uh, Jeremy Clements, he is 18th in the point standings as well. And, uh, you know, he's just, uh, like I said, he's probably waiting on Elkhart Lake because <laughs> he's. He's heck on those road courses and uh, real good up on that. One. Jeremy's our our local man, and we're gonna keep up with him every week as long as he's out there doing it. So uh, somebody send him some money. That's all he needs is some sponsorship. Well, it's hard to find, but that's that's all that, that team lacks. Well, they uh they're uh with everything that Gene was telling us about last week with building everybody's engines and everything. Uh, uh you, you know they're a top notch top notch team, and all they need is the bucks. But uh. We're going to take a break right now, and uh, we didn't even mention our special guest our, uh, for the show, and that's Ricky Rudd, who was one of Bud Moore's drivers and a great guest, and he will prove it as soon as we come back from this first break. You're listening to Fox Sports Spartanburg. Want to talk racing with the guys? 
Call the Sign Force hotline now at 864-468-1400. Start your engine returns in a moment on Fox Sports 1400 and 98.3 FM. Steve and Jerry here from the world-famous Beacon Drive-In in Spartanburg. Jerry, the Beacon opened back in 1946. How many years have we been serving great food at great prices? Hey, Plante! 70 years? How many folks are we still serving every week? Hey, Plante! Well, like you always say, I like my job, but I love my customers. But can you say something other than hey, Plante? All it! Join Steve and Jerry at the world-famous Beacon Drive-In, John White Boulevard in Spartanburg, where the food is still always good since 1946. Speedy Lube in Inman says to save time is to lengthen life for you and your car. Let Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman, lengthen the life and performance of your vehicle. Speedy Lube offers professional ASC certified mechanical service for your car. Be it an oil change, AC work, tires, brakes, front end, or any type of major or minor repair. Trust Speedy Lube in Inman. Open weekdays from 8 till 6. For fast, fair, and friendly service, visit Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman. If you'd like to learn what life was like in South Carolina's backcountry during the Revolutionary War or the antebellum era, the Spartanburg Historical Society can help. Tours are available daily from 11 to 4 for living history events at both Walnut Grove and the Sea House all summer long. Join historians as they share more about life in the backcountry at Walnut Grove and the Sea House. For more information, visit SpartanburgHistory.org. That's Spartanburg History. Hey man, you're looking for good, clean, late night fun? Boy, do we have a show for you. I'm KB and I host Up Late, Planet Earth's only late night locally produced mid-market sports talk show. So habit forming, you can't fall asleep without it. Up Late with KB, weeknights at 11, only on Fox Sports 1400 and 98.3 FM. The new way was new way back in 1938, and it's still going strong today with quick service for lunch, sandwiches, sides, and your favorite beverage. And no trip to the new way is complete without trying their original redneck cheeseburger or redneck nachos made with the new way's homemade famous pimento cheese. The new way has lunch specials Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. Try the new way's specialty sandwiches, including their grown-up grilled cheese. The new way still going strong after nearly 80 years. 373 East Kennedy Street. Look for the PBR sign and the big red door. It's the call nobody wants to make. Your home or business has water or fire damage or mold. Let Service Master of the Upstate make that call a little easier. Service Master of the Upstate restores homes and businesses alike. If you've been hit with mold or fire or water damage, call today at 582-3451. Service Master of the Upstate also cleans carpets, rugs, and hard surface flooring. Make that call a little easier. Call Dyer and Amanda Jennings at Service Master of the Upstate, 582-3451. 582-3451. Every now and then, we need to get away and relax. And there's no better way than spending time at the lake. Watery Lake RV Park and Marina in Liberty Hill, South Carolina, is the perfect place to decompress. At Watery Lake RV, enjoy full hookups, a bathhouse, bar and grill, and a boat ramp marina with ethanol-free gas. Hookups available on nightly, weekly, or monthly. Watery Lake RV Park and Marina in Liberty Hill, where families get away. Mention Fox Sports 1400 and get 5% off your stay up to three days. Call 803-273-3013. The Friday Football Frenzy begins August 17th. The Frenzy is presented by Watery Lake RV Park and Marina in Liberty Hill on Fox Sports 1498.3 FM.
Welcome back to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg. And at this time, I am so pleased to uh, introduce you to a good friend of the show. We've had him on before, the author of 23 Winston Cup victories, Ricky Rudd. Good morning, Ricky. Hey, guys. How you doing this morning? We're doing great. Yeah. Tell you what, Ricky, appreciate you coming on. And uh, like I say, there's so many things. I don't know where to start exactly. You've been the <laughs> Iron Man, uh, most competitive. You've been the rooster. You you know, Ricky's done it all. Rick, Ricky's done it all. I, I was just, I'm trying to remember how you got to start. You were basically, uh, uh, I think, one of the reasons you had such good stamina. Uh, even though you were smaller, you were awful strong, and, and you didn't need power steering. But didn't you race dirt bikes or something? Yeah, I did, Greg, and I was hoping you weren't going to go through all the long list of people I drove for. We'd be—I don't think you got enough air air time on the show to to cover all that. Well, as a matter of fact, we got a two-hour <laughs> show today, so we can do it. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I, no, we don't have uh, to go that far. Yeah, no, no. It, uh, you know, really, the beginning is just—you know—I knew I was going to race when I was a kid. I just—I I knew what I wanted to do at you know six, seven, eight years old, and luckily, I was able to—you know—had a lot of people help me along the way, and um, I guess I. Showed a little bit of promise when I was younger, but started racing go-karts. And then uh, in the go-karts, I was running those and, and mo- motocross. And I was I was okay in motocross, but I wasn't that great. I never really pursued it because, I, you know, uh, I like it, but I was cars is where I wanted to be. So luckily, I, I ended up with a lot of good people, mainly family behind me. My family helped, helped me with my early years of racing, and that kind of got me going. Yeah, i tell you what, you've done an excellent job everywhere you went. I do remember... Uh, see, it seemed like the first time I saw you drive, you was driving Bill Champion's car. And uh, I think I'm correct. Uh, I remember Rockingham that. or something. I, I remember him at Rockingham the first time I ever saw Ricky run. He was in a red and white Chevrolet number 22. And I, I wasn't familiar with, with Ricky Rudd at that time. And I don't know if that was your first ride or not, but it, it had to be close to the beginning. Yeah, that was probably a couple of years in. Uh, first time I drove for anybody was Bill Champion. That's what uh, Greg remembers. Yeah, matter of fact, I think the motors, uh, uh, Bud, uh, Greg's dad, Bud Moore, used to, I think he helped Champ with the motors. He, Champ couldn't ever have enough money to, to afford all the motors, so he'd buy parts and put them together himself. But, yeah, it was uh, at Rockingham, North Carolina. I was scared to death. I had never been in a race car, period. And next thing I know, I'm at Rockingham, North Carolina, racing against, you know, Petty and Allison and Pearson and all those guys. So it was a little intimidating, and I got through it as lucky. I, I I survived and finished tenth or eleventh that day. I remember that. That, yeah, was pretty- that, that was tremendous because Rockingham's a hard place to, to finish or do anything. And uh, yeah, you, you carried Bill's car for uh, a, a real good ride that day. But uh, yeah. you're right. A, you a know, lot of people don't. A lot of people don't realize that uh, Bill Elliott, his first years in Cup racing, the first time he hopped in a Cup car for, I think, first two or three races in his career, actually he drove the same car, Bill Champion's car, shortly after I drove. Yeah. You're right. I tell you, and the car that y'all built uh, uh, on your own, that 22 car, uh, that thing would go. I mean, you, you, you know, you, y'all had a pretty good thing going there. Uh, I think you and your, bro- your brother drove it some. Think, yeah, like- it was mainly just a group of, you know, like say, family members. We worked at my dad had a salvage yard, junkyard, and, and uh, none of us really knew what we were doing. My brother was a great engine <laughs> builder. He just built uh, hot rod motors and dune buggy motors and things like that, and and I was good at driving stuff and tearing up stuff. You know, I, I was good at doing that. I could take stuff apart, but I didn't know how to put it back together. So that he kind of got the role as playing the crew chief and uh, working on doing most of the technical mechanical. And I learned how to do different stuff on the car. And eventually, 
learn how to work on the chassis a little bit. And uh, neighborhood friends, uh, Cliff Champion from way back, and it's it just a group of guys that had a lot of desire and not really any know-how, know-how but we sort of learned as we went along. Well, I, I bet you somebody else that I know had a had to have a big influence on your life, and uh, and you drove for a little bit, and that was uh, Junie Donlevy. Yeah, Junie was. Uh, we had carried our family operation as far as we could. We and our goal was to win Rookie of the Year in '77, and through volunteers and everybody else, we worked at one race car. I think we ran the whole season with, and it was just, it was very tough. When we did all we could do, and then when that we were able to win Rookie of the Year. The next year, everybody was so burnt out, tired, and we didn't run but a handful of races. And then Junie Dunleavy, uh, Dick Brooks had left the number 90. And uh, Junie, we had talked, and I ended up uh, being able to drive his race car. And that was – it really wasn't a hard decision because it was – I was working in my dad's junkyard at the time, and then it was either working in the junkyard probably the rest of my life, which no, no problem with that, but it uh, wasn't what I really wanted to do. And then Junie Dunleavy – uh, out of Richmond was only about 100 miles away. So I went up and talked with Junie for a while. And as it turns out, uh, Junie was looking for a driver. Uh, Dick Brooks was moving on. And so Junie hired me for a season. And that really got me going because uh, I had never run hardly any of the short tracks at that time. So when I went with Junie, that was my first time running short track races, period. Not only cup, but short tracks in general. Well, Rick, it sounds like your biggest advantage starting out was that you didn't know enough to know that you shouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people would tell me you couldn't do that. You know, back in that time, I was 18, 17, 18 years old. And uh, and at that time, they didn't know what to do with you because there weren't any Jeff Gordons or, you know, the young guys as you have today. 18, 19 would be considered old probably by today's standards. But uh, back then, uh, most of the guys that were you were, I was racing against, were they were probably in their 30s, mid-30s maybe. That was a average age 30s to 40s because it took everybody so long to get to the cup level <clears throat> and like you said really i didn't we didn't know any better so we next thing i know i'm out there on the job training and and uh learn how to do it you know sort of on the job which you couldn't do that no way today but uh back there in that time it was able to work out well I'll tell you what you, you made the transition real quick yeah. uh, a lot better i mean a lot of, a lot of young guys come in and had you know fairly decent equipment and just couldn't get going and I know uh, you run good, uh, you know, in y'all's own car, and uh, you know, run good with Dunleavy. And immediately, uh, you know, short tracks has always been one of your strong points. Really, all his tracks are strong points. I do remember when we went down to Daytona with Junior's first time. We were doing their engines, and uh, <laughs> we uh, we put some uh, what was it Dodge lifters in it, and y'all were running about three mile an hour faster than us with the Thunderbird. But you blowed two motors in a row and then wound up putting the other one in that didn't have those lifters in it and still out-qualified us and, 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 and run good. But y'all had, y'all had a good year with that. Uh, I'm trying to think. When did you go with Childers? That's, that's what's going to be my next question. Yeah, Childers came along uh, after Junie. Uh, I ran a year and then Junie fired me because we didn't, didn't have any money at the time to help the sponsorship. Junie had a, whatever he could do to raise money to help this car go. And, you know, we even though we had a, a good season, we couldn't couldn't get any good sponsorship money to help. So basically, uh, I was on my own again, pretty much. And then, so I, I did a year at, in 80, 1981. I drove for Dagard. Daryl Waltrip was leaving Dagard to go drive for Junior, and uh, and Bill Gardner. Uh, I, I got the ride for Bill Gardner. I think he he was trying to save money. He could hire me for nothing, so he did. And uh, we had we had a good year. We did some good things. But then, uh, Childress came along in eighty, actually eighty two. 
uh, I ran for Richard in 82 and 83, but at that time, Richard was a car, uh, he was a driver himself, owner-driver, and he was looking to, you know, step aside and put somebody in the car full-time. And Richard was a good driver himself, but he was, uh, it, it just opportunity presented itself. Actually, I got the ride because Greg Sachs was going to be driving Childress's car at Daytona in 82 for the 500, but he ended up going down there and testing right shortly before the race and just about killed himself down there. And uh, they got desperate, needed a driver short, shortly, and uh, I was out of work. And so that's how that all started. Great. Um, you know, uh, an, another interesting thing, and there's so many interesting things to talk about, but you um, sort of swapped – there wasn't no sort of. You did swap teams with, <laughs> with Dale Earnhardt in 1985, and you, both of you were, were Wrangler. Earnhardt went from Bud Moore to Childress, and you went from Childress to Bud Moore. And I wrote a book about Bud Moore, and yeah. the chapter on Dale Earnhardt is called One Tough Customer, but the next chapter is on Ricky Rudd, and it's called One Tougher Customer. So, <laughs> because, right, well. because that's when the thing happened with the duct tape and the eye, eyes and everything that we, we've talked about so many other times. I won't get into it this time, but you yeah. were you were tough and uh, just uh, a, a great asset to Bud Moore and some good years, won a bunch of races. Yeah, it was it was just yeah. good timing the way it all turned out. I, you know, I was with Richard Childress when I came on board. Earnhardt had actually ran for Richard uh, back. Uh, it had to be around 19. Let me think of my years. So I get it mixed up. I'd say somewhere around 1981. Uh, yeah, 81. Uh, early in the year, he uh, or, or the prior year, it could have been 80. Uh, Earnhardt had come off a championship driving for Rod Osterlund, his first championship, and the race team had gotten sold to J.D. Stacy and. Uh, Dale didn't really, uh, he wasn't real comfortable with that, and he decided to, to leave halfway through the season. So he ended up driving Richard Childress's car uh, before I did. Uh, they never really had much luck with it. He didn't do much. He ran okay, but wasn't very competitive. And then he left and went to drive for Bud, uh, I think around 82 or 3, or it could have been 81. So anyway, the, the opportunity presented itself. Um, I was driving for Richard for 82 and 83, and Earnhardt once decides he wants to leave Bud and come back to Childress. So basically, it, it, it sounds simple, but we basically swapped rides. It wasn't quite that simple, but that's what happened. So, you know, at the time when I left Richard, uh, we had, we went from, you know, sort of middle of the pack to uh, we got better as a team. He hired more people. He got better on the motors. We sat on some poles, won some races. So I was looking to pretty much stay put. Well, Earnhardt liked the three-car, uh, Childress's car, uh, maybe better at the time he saw something there anyway. But he switches. I'm out of a ride, and then Bud hires me to drive his car. So basically, it looks like a swap, and, and that's sort of what it ended up being, but not exactly on uh, such nice terms, I should say. Well, anyway, i tell you what, it worked out real good. And uh, I know the very first time out, you uh, was real fast, and we had the answer to happen. But the biggest thing is, if you go back and look at the record book, uh, Earnhardt's first year with Childress, I think he lost 11 motors in a row, and, and Ricky pretty much outrun him everywhere we went that first year, and it wasn't until Childress got a, a bunch of help from Chevrolet and uh, some things like that. Now, Ricky yeah, can attest yeah. to this. We, we broke a lot of bow springs, and uh, but uh, we, we... Yeah. Rick, Ricky, when, during that swap, Greg, what I, was gonna, I should have filled in, is it actually did, you know, it was a good thing for me. You know, at the time, you know, I, we weren't, we were doing okay at Richards, but, you know, at that time, you got to put it, you got to look at, at that time, you know, you can't go later in time because Childress obviously was at the top of the list on, you know, on getting uh, championships and wins. But at that period of time, he had no championships, uh, hardly any wins. 
there really wasn't anything going on that was you know extraordinary other than the fact it was ramping up and getting better and when the opportunity um came up with you know bud bud you guys were at the top of the rung you were at the top of the ladder so for me it was a huge step up to be able to go drive for bud moore uh, with a championship winning team without having to build anything it was established so that was the you know that was the first time that i had you know a huge backing behind me with the all the credentials and uh other than the year i drove for gatorade but there were some problems that were happening within the team that was starting to fizzle out at that point but when i came to work for you guys it was there was no team out there any stronger or better than going to drive for bud moore at that time and that's really what helped my career with wins and such we got a lot of wins there well you went off and became a, a team owner and I, I know that had to be a, a real awakening for you from driver to owning a team for a few years there with tide what did you take into ownership that you say you could specifically say you learned from Bud Moore? Well, I think it was, uh, you know, really a combination. I was able to take from Bud and, you know, some of the other guys I had driven for, but the people that were successful in that business at that time were people like Childress. He was getting better. Uh, Bud Moore was established and done. Uh, he, I mean, he, he, there was no better team there. But with Bud's team, what I saw is Bud, Bud was very hands-on. He wasn't, you know, he wrote the checks, but Bud was also, he knew everything about that race car. He didn't only know the motors, he knew the chassis, he knew, he knew everything it took. And, uh, and his team was built sort of around him, a lot of family there and a lot of close friends. And uh, everyone got along together. Everybody enjoyed what they did and they knew what they were doing. But I would say just the structure of the way Bud, uh, Bud's team was, was set up. It was very organized, very professional. Um, and I think, you know, I, I paid attention to that even back then of how, you know, what made this such a great operation and, uh, kind of took, took a lot of notes. And then later on, uh, quite a few years later, I had my own team and, uh, yeah, I pulled from that, uh, what I'd learned driving for Bud and, and, and also from the management side. Well, I tell you, Ricky, right off the, you run competitive right out of the box and one race is set on poles, uh, you were Pound for pound, you were the best driver that we had. I mean, you, you stayed there longer than anybody. Uh, which that that was that was a feat in itself. I, uh, like I say, but Bud was the boss, and I think that that. <laughs> but it, it was like Don Allison made a statement to me one time. You know, he said, "Gregory, you don't manage the team right." I said, "What, what do you mean by that?" <laughs> he said, "Well, said you try to be the nice guy, and you can't do that." He said, uh, at least with Bud, now he's not right all the time, but he's going to be right, say, 80% of the time. But at least y'all have a program and a direction to go in versus having teams pulling in different directions. And, uh, yeah, that you know that was amazing there. Uh, I tell you, the scariest, I, one of the scariest I've ever had to, I was ever, uh, I was much more scared on a meeting with Bud Moore the first time I met him than I was climbing in and out of any race car. But I had, Junie Dunleavy had made the change in his team. Uh, so I was in so 1980 or so. I was out of a ride. So at that time, I think Buddy Baker was driving, or, or I don't think he had hired Buddy Baker. Between Buddy Baker and Bobby Allison at Bud Moore's team, I'm not sure which driver. I think they were going from uh, Buddy Baker to Bobby Allison. But anyway, in the meantime, I have to go. I have to. I'll go down to Spartanburg. I leave uh, Chesapeake, Virginia, drive down to Spartanburg to meet Bud Moore. And I remember it was probably about a seven-hour drive, and I was shaking in my boots the whole time. <laughs> and I think I've got to go meet Bud Moore and talked to him about a job. And when I got in there in his office, he closed the door. And right away, he made you feel welcome. You know, he, you know, Bud's a strong leader. He's, a, you know, was a, 
he could be intimidating to a lot of people, but he was, had a heart of gold, and and he ran it. Uh, I mean, how did the best way to say it? He everybody had he had everybody's respect because he knew Bud was a powerful guy, and he did what he said. If he had a handshake, you could go by that. You didn't need any contract. Yeah, I, I know y'all had you, you and Bud both had a really good relationship on the chassis of what you wanted, and uh, it had to be it, about the only team in history with two roosters. Yeah, I had two, <laughs> had two right, roosters, yeah. and I'm gonna tell you something. That's right. Miss uh, Moore, that's right. You know, I mean, we would when I would come to the shop. Every, you know, I'd get down there now three or four times a year, and the first thing we had we go over to uh, Bud's Bud's house and Greg and all the family and Daryl, all the boys and uh, Mrs. Moore, Rooster was there. You know, cook up something for us. So it was uh, it was just a neat experience, very hands on. That was the real boss. Uh, you know, you got, <laughs> oh you got yeah, Bud, and you got his. The leader of Bud Moore, the ran Bud Moore, was Brewster. So it was it was yeah. funny because she's such a neat little tiny lady, but you could tell she ran the show there with Bud. He he walked a, he walked a fine line when, when she oh, was Oh, yeah, he did definitely. Now, like I say, he he was uh, not afraid to speak his mind to any race driver, the NASCAR, uh, and uh, be honest with you, I I've had respect and probably been scared of him even a month or two before we lost him because he was still talking about finding sponsorship and going back racing and. <laughs> and, he, and he loved it that much but yeah the biggest thing uh, with ricky about that i liked you know these guys get out of the car and they and they get mad and do this that and whatever ricky would get mad and ricky would not run from a fight and if you've ever seen ricky get mad that's a powerful rooster right there. And, I, and, and I, it really meant. I was getting mad. I forgot how big I was. I, you know, <laughs> I'm not a very big well, guy. So, or how big so, you weren't. I, yeah. I'm lucky I had big guys around me to back me up in case I got in trouble. <laughs> well, I, I remember I remember you didn't uh, you didn't take nothing off anybody. And and that that's always a good sign. I've always said a, a, a driver that's not uh, willing to beat and bang and do something they don't do real good and ricky ricky rudd was good at it i'm looking at his stats right here i've got them in my hand and it They're really it, well it, it is amazing from 1979 until 1996 was that about 17 years it was only one year he didn't finish the one year he was 11th in the standings and, and the bad year you were talking about when you didn't run too much you were 35th but he was in the top 10 every year every year for almost two decades that's i mean that's hall of fame stuff I know well, it. Well, I appreciate that. One thing that I was proud of, and, and it really, it, it really got started when I was at Bud, is uh, winning a race every year for 16 or 17 years. And, and a good part of those wins were when I was at Bud's, and that kind of got that role when that that started. And I guess it's kind of once you get a taste of that, you know, winning, then it you know, it, it becomes habit forming to try to get you know get back even harder, work even harder to get back to victory lane again. Yeah, I know one thing that, uh, and like I say, me, me and Ricky, we we. We had a good relationship, and we tried to look out for each other. And we had a guy at Ford or something uh, really bought some stuff up that Ford was always changing people and uh, said something about, well, it's gonna, they was going to do something else and put part of the sponsorship on Elliot's car, and we'd have to find this. And uh, Ricky had all kind of opportunities. So we, the last few races, matter of fact, we went to Dover and uh, – oh, always – we always won Dover unless something broke or somebody wrecked us. I mean, it, it, but, uh, you know, Rick, Ricky would talk to him about who he'd talk to and who was going to be the, the next team and everything. And Ricky would actually ride. But he, one time I'm, he, he rode behind Brett Bodine but, and said, well, 
he diamonds the track a little bit, but he ought to be okay. But Ricky, we we're up against a break here. I, I'm telling you, it's great to have you on the show again. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate it, and always good to always good to talk to y'all. Anytime uh, you get a anytime you get a dull moment, call me. <laughs> If you need a show filler, call me. Well, I tell you what, you do more than fill a show. You can, you make a show, and we appreciate having you on. And we're gonna we're gonna take a break right now, and we'll be back with Nelson Crozier and uh, get the scoop on what happened at Daytona and what's gonna happen at Kentucky. You're listening to Fox Sports Spartanburg. Hey man, you looking for good, clean, late night fun? Boy, do we have a show for you. I'm KB I and I host up late. Planet Earth's only late night locally produced mid-market sports talk show. So habit forming, you can't fall asleep without it. Up late with KB, weeknights at 11, only on Fox Sports 1400 and 98.3 FM. Throughout your life, you've worked hard to accumulate assets, to build wealth, and to provide for your family. You've built a comfortable life full of shared memories and experiences. Providing and protecting your loved ones is never more critical than when you aren't there to do so. While having a will is important, it's not the only way. That is why developing an estate plan can be the best thing you will ever do for them. Working with our estate planning experts, Trent Lancaster, in the Spartanburg office of Jannie Montgomery Scott can help you to design a customized estate plan that can protect and preserve your assets for the next generation. The sooner you begin, the sooner you can be at ease knowing that your loved ones will be provided for as you intended. Contact Trent today to discuss your estate planning needs at 864-585-8282. That's 585-8282 or visit TrentLancaster.com. Kenny Montgomery Scott LLC, member FINRA, NYSE, and SIPC. Speedy Lube and Inman says to save time is to lengthen life for you and your car. Let Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway, and Inman lengthen the life and performance of your vehicle. Speedy Lube offers professional ASC certified mechanical service for your car. Be it an oil change, AC work, tires, brakes, front end, or any type of major or minor repair. Trust Speedy Lube in Inman. Open weekdays from 8 till 6. For fast, fair, and friendly service, visit Speedy Lube. Asheville Highway in Inman. Here comes lunchtime. You know that unlike some barbecue places, Bubba's Barbecue and Bash has ribs for lunch every day. Bubba's also has great burgers, pulled pork, calabash chicken, all of your favorite sides, and some of the best sauce around. Top it off with Bubba's famous banana pudding or a slice of pecan pie for dessert, and you'll make Bubba's your barbecue home. Bubba's Barbecue and Bash, 827 West Blackstock Road, just a half mile from Westgate Mall. Have lunch at Bubba's today. Start Your Engines will be back after this quick pit stop on Fox Sports 1498.3 FM. If you're in the market for a job in manufacturing or distribution, or you run a business and are in need of employees in fields ranging from small-scale construction to large mechanical contracting to manufacturing, packaging, and warehousing, then let CRS help. CRS has been a reliable bridge that runs in both directions for employers and job seekers. Get your next great search started today. Call CRS at 336-2405, stop by 337 Spartan Green Boulevard in Duncan, or online at crshighright.com. 
We spend a lot of time in our cars, so make that time well spent with the help from Elite Audio. Elite Audio on Asheville Highway can upgrade your sound system, add a navigation system, customize your interior, and does custom tires and wheels. And check this out. Elite Audio offers 90 days same as cash with no credit check. All you need is an active checking account and proof of appointment. Visit EliteAudioOnline.com or drop by 1504 Asheville Highway in Spartanburg. At Elite Audio, you dream it, we build it. Want to text the show? Download our app to use the Elite Audio text line. Search Fox Sports 1400 either at the Apple Store or via Google Play now. Nelson Crozier is trackside and ready to go. What's going on at this week's big race? Let's go live to Nelson now. Good morning, Nelson. Where are you? Oh, I'm in North Carolina right now. Okay, well, that's that's a good place to be. Um, I'm sure you have some, uh, probably some uh, good information on um, what the heck we saw last Saturday night. Blocking. When, when are they going to do something about that? Well, going way back when, um, 66, I believe it was, Mary Andretti won Daytona. Uh, after all, Victory Lane uh, festivities were done, which weren't you know, what they are today. Uh, he goes back in the garage, and uh, a few of the drivers corralled him. and said, you, you come back driving like that, and he said, you're going to leave here in a box. And that's pretty much what ha- uh, has to happen now. The drivers have got to get together and say, we're not going to put up with each other blocking anymore. Uh, because... Uh, on restricted brake tracks in particular, that seems to be uh, the way the driving's done. But that's what's causing, for the most part, these big wrecks. Well, I mean, and they're they're starting to do it. I, I know they want to win these segments and everything, but they're. It just seems to me like it. The the. They do it every time somebody tries to pass somebody for the lead. I mean, you just can't drive by somebody anymore, and. And you know they got pretty stiff penalties on that stuff with uh, IndyCar and Grand Prix, but I guess since the stock cars have fenders, they let them go at it. But they sure are tearing up a lot of equipment. They really are, and you know, uh, you're talking to Ricky. Uh, you know, back in that era, the drivers had a vested interest in the race car. Uh, you know, maybe they didn't have a strict financial interest, but if you wreck too much, you're out of a ride. Really. Uh, or if you uh, if you wrecked, there wasn't money to fix the car to go to the next race. So uh, you know people drove in a different manner, and that's what we need to get back to. You need to have clean driving. Uh, not the drivers are really dirty, but they don't have respect. Uh, if you drove that way on the highway, you'd be in jail. <laughs> exactly. No, no doubt about it. And and Nelson's right. You know the ones that. Only the teams that had good sponsorship, uh, like us, Junior, Petty's, Wood Brothers, and, and a couple of more, uh, it was a while before we ever started taking a backup car to the racetrack. And usually it was like a Rockingham car or whatever. But most teams, even the good ones, didn't have no more than four cars. I mean, you started tearing up cars. Uh, you, you'd made, you'd made a, we'd made a bunch of runs to the banjo to get front clips put on. I mean, it was... Uh, well, uh, I recall at Richmond, uh, you know, the 88 car wrecked with Bobby Allison. Bobby was driving it or not. 
But anyway, they wrecked it, and Beta said, you're not pulling the backup car, uh, or you're the other let's rephrase it, you're not pulling that other car you got on the hauler off the race. He said, you've got to fix this one. So they took, you know, the whole front end and a whole bunch of stuff off the other car on the trailer to make the car run. And if they start doing away with backup cars uh, in 90% of the cases, you know, people are going to drive differently. I wonder sometimes, this is Gene, by the way, Nelson, uh, I wonder sometimes if it's just the mentality of this, this new generation that had never had to work on their cars coming up. They were always just given a ride or set set in a car. You know, maybe they didn't have the, you know, they were never shown how to work on a car or what it meant to keep the car up. That's just something that's coming to my mind. Well, that's a big part of it. Uh, you know, and you don't have to be able to work on the car uh, to be a good driver. Tim Rister being a prime example, uh, he came in and told Harry Hyde, he said, uh, it hippity hops through the corner and it squiggles down the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, well, Harry knew how to read the tires and, you know, uh, the setup on the car, so he was able to, you know, make him happy with it. But, uh, you know, if you know how to work on the car and how to set it up, it makes you a lot better driver. Uh the, uh, the big thing now is the driver got to keep it down on the yellow line. Got to keep it on the yellow line. If the car doesn't want to drive down there, go where it wants to drive. You see Carl Ar- uh, Kyle Larson driving up around the wall. That's where the car is set up and where it likes to run. So if the car wants to run uh, in the middle groove, assume you have a middle groove, let it go there. Don't try to rein it in and pull it down where it doesn't want to go. Uh, same thing with a horse. You, you ride the horse and it wants to go one way, and you keep trying to pull it another way. Sooner or later, that horse is going to win. No, no doubt. Nelson, do you think there's any chance that we're going to see retaliation tonight? I mean, this is not the slowest track, but it's not the fastest track. It's uh, There's uh, been a lot of verbal uh, sparring uh, back and forth. Uh, Kyle Bush said, I don't have to worry about him. It, you know, he's back in the middle of a pack. He's not a factor. Uh you know, and then Stenhouse comes back and makes him, uh, I don't want to say unsavory, but I think uncalled for remarks. So uh, if the opportunity arises, uh, you know, uh, I think Kyle's going to uh, put him in his place. I've got to ask you a question. There's a commercial that they're playing, and I couldn't even tell you what the product is or whatever. But they're talking about, and I think Truex is one of them, they're, they're talking something about how treacherous the third turn is at Kentucky. I think Truex or somebody says he, it keeps him awake at night or something. What in the world? I never heard about this before. What's, you know, what's uh, the deal with the third turn at Kentucky? It, it, it's tight, plus I think there's a little bit of a hump there. But, yes, the drivers have definitely been talking about the third turn. And the other problem they have on the front straightaway is get down below the yellow line. There's quite, quite a bump there. Well, you know, they call them cookie cutter tracks. It sounds like a, a chocolate chip cookie that, that they, they left the chocolate chip sticking up a little bit <laughs> on one end <laughs> or, or whatever. But, but well, yeah, I mean, you know. The big problem with, uh, you know, with Kentucky right now, it, the groove is a lane and a half wide. That's it. Hmm. Still need to do something. Like I said, the, we're seeing some better racing. People are still confused with the, the stage deal. And I understand that the stage deal actually has hurt the Wood Brothers several times because Menard had been running real good. And uh, 
Well, they, they did, in our, uh, at Daytona, you know, <laughs> uh, gets spun out early and still finishes up on the lead lap. Uh, you know, but that was perseverance on uh, both Menard's part and the Wood Brothers. That car was pretty much destroyed. And yet they uh, taped it back together, got him out there. Uh, they got penalized a couple of times you know, for coming into pit early, but he still had a decent finish. Uh, let's do our picks. We, we're not pushed for time yet, but let's get the picks out of the way. And I'm going to go first because I never do. So I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take Keselowski. He's qualified um, fourth, and I can see him winning this race. He's done it there before. What do you What do you say, Nelson? Okay, uh, that was my number one pick, but I think I'm on. <laughs> well, I, I, at least I stole it from you for a change. It's usually the right. other way around. Uh, but uh, you know. It's, it's definitely going to be interesting because there are a lot of good running cars there. Uh, you know, and uh, who's going to be the better one? Uh, but, you know, you look at it, uh, you know, Truex is very strong. Uh, it's his 19th pole of his career. It, it's his fourth pole and 12th uh, top 10 start of 2018. However, it is his first pole with Kentucky. So, are you? Is that who you're taking? Uh, no, I'll go. Uh, I'm going ahead and take Harvick. Okay. Yeah, stick your neck out. I don't Way out on a limb. <laughs> what do you think, Greg? And I'll tell you before you, if you didn't notice, your man Menard qualified sixth, which is pretty uh, pretty good. I'm gonna have to go Menard because he gets stronger and stronger. And I uh, thought I could talk big, into him. Well, like I say, <laughs> I stuck my neck out with, with Harvick, and he, he he run good, but he didn't win. Did anybody even win last week? Uh, yeah, Eric Jones, and he's starting second this week. Who yep. you got, Gene? I believe I go with Clint Boyer. Just uh, just a feeling I got. Just uh, and to stay along the dirt track, I'll 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 go with Boyer. Ronnie, I'm gonna stay with the eleven. What What's the deal with uh, with Hamlin? Because I noticed here the lineup I'm looking at. He's starting 36. Did they uh, change something? No, I, uh, failed inspection twice. And they elected not to try the third time uh, because uh, it was really too late for qualifying for them to do it. But if they went the third time uh, and failed, the uh, car chief would go home. Mm, okay. Uh, they were not the only ones. Uh, apparently, uh, the way NASCAR is measuring with the optical uh, inspection station, uh, they're paying more attention to... Uh, the location and the skew of the rear end, and uh, some of the teams were out of tolerance. Well, I know the the kid that won last night. I call him a kid, Christopher Bell. He started from the rear because they uh, changed tires after qualifying, so he went from the back to the front. Well, double-edged sword there. He had to change tires because he went for a long slide on his qualifying lap, so uh, he didn't have a very good speed. If you had to change tires, we would have started on four flat spotted tires. Nelson, is there any uh, hot rumors, anything going around out there as we, uh, we're past the halfway point and, and um, getting close no, to the... The only uh, real rumor, and I think it's purely rumors this time, is what Truex is going to do next year because uh, his contract's up at the end of the year. But I don't see him going anywhere. I think he's pretty happy where he is. He's been running. Okay, one question I had for you is, you know, several years ago when they first started up at Kentucky, they had so much trouble getting the the fans in and out. 
Have they done anything to improve that so that they can... keep working on it? Uh, last year, they thought they had the problem pretty well solved, but the parking attendant screwed everything up, and they weren't letting people uh, you know go where they were supposed to go, and that back traffic way up. But uh, the track's working very well with the state police, and uh, you know I think they have uh, traffic much better uh, under control than they ever had in the past. Well, that, that's that sounds like a, a a weird dilemma with the having trouble getting the fans in and out of the track, but you look in the grandstands, and unless uh, uh, you know, at most of these tracks, there's an awful lot of empty seats. So, uh, hopefully, Kentucky's going to have a big crowd if if they're um, having trouble getting folks in and out of there, as they always have, like you say. Yeah. Well, uh, the biggest problem in Kentucky, there are not that many roads. You know, you've got the interstate, but uh, you. Know, Pretty much got one way in and one way out. Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I'm going to mention, Nelson, is there's a racetrack that's uh, is 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 here here in the south. It's close. It's around the race scene. They have excellent races there, and it's a road course. And I know they run the bus cars there uh, several times. But Road Atlanta, if they had had put it somewhere where they had a little bit better access, uh, we would we'd be racing there right now. But you know, if they had always had a terrible and an unfixable way of really getting in and out of road Atlanta. And, uh, and well, that, racetracks have, you know, so far as attendance, uh, you know, assuming the fans want to go, you've got two problems. One is uh, the ingress, egress, you know, getting in, getting out. And the number two thing, uh, is, uh, lodging facilities. Uh, where are you going to stay? I was a great track. It's in, it's in the middle of nowhere. So where are you going to put all the people? Yeah. True. You know, I mean, they've got it under control with what they got now, but, you know, people say, oh, it's a great spot for a cup race. Well, for the cup race, you're going to put more seats in, you're going to have to handle uh, more people, and where are you going to put them? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, Bristol had the, uh, I'm thinking Bristol, no, Darlington, excuse me, my brain's going. But anyway, uh, you know, Darlington over the years, they all, always have a great crowd, and what sort of saved them was doing it, and that'd be the last who robbed Myrtle Beach uh, on Labor Day. But, you know, they, they eventually, Nelson, if you remember, they, they, they built some more motels in the Florence area. And uh, because at one time it didn't deter the fans at all, but they, there wasn't too many places to stay uh, there close to the racetrack. No, and, you know, you had to go up and down 95, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40 miles many times to find a spot. But one of the most popular spots, uh, in Darlington, in Florence, was uh, the Thunderbird, and it's now closed down. Yeah, the Thunderbird closed down. <laughs> yes, it might oh, be under man. a different name, but it's no longer the Thunderbird. Nelson, we're up against a hard break. We appreciate you coming on, and um, uh, look forward to you every week. Ronnie said, "I got one question for Nelson, and that was his attendance question, his his uh, access question to getting in and out of the track." And we uh, we appreciate you every week. Thank you so okay. much for coming oh, on. One more comment, Ted Ricky wrote on. Yep, he real quick. How good he was at Dover. Well, he lost the race because they didn't score him. He ran 501 laps. Uh, the only uh, scoring person up to that time was Morris Metcalf, and he was away doing another race, and that's why Ricky didn't win that race. Well, that's, uh, i tell you what, Ricky was the best, and Greg's always told us how good he was at Dover. Thank you so much, Nelson. We'll talk to you next week, buddy. Okay, very good. All right. Thank you, Nelson. Well, we got to be up against a hard break here, and 
we appreciate um, Nelson coming on and Ricky Rudd and had our first hour. And we also appreciate the people here at Fox Sports Spartanburg to give us another hour. And we'll be back to do it in just a minute. What Ernie's man. Spartanburg's radio home for University of South Carolina football is Fox Sports 1400 WSPG Spartanburg. Now on FM at 98.3. Fox Sports trending now. It is a final at Wimbledon after a three-hour marathon last night. The match continued for more than 90 minutes this morning and concluded in what turned out to be a classic five-set match as Novak Djokovic defeated second-seeded Rafael Nadal in the final set, 10-8, advancing to his 22nd major final and fifth Wimbledon championship appearance. Djokovic will face John Anderson in the final match on Monday. As the dust settles on that crazy men's semi, we now await the start of the women's final, which will get underway in a matter of moments. Seven-time Wimbledon champion Serena Williams will take on Angelique Kerber in a rematch of the 2016 final in London. Kerber has lost six of the eight matches she's had against Serena Williams seeking her 8th Wimbledon Championship and 24th Grand Slam title, which would tie her with Margaret Court for most all-time. In the third-place game of the World Cup on Fox, Belgium has a 1-0 lead over England at the half. I'm Kevin Figures. Fox Sports 1400 on FM at 98.3 is presented by Upstate Logistics, moving your business and Spartanburg forward. South Carolina Radio Network Sports, I'm Will Pelagic. Great collegiate basketball player Jawan Gary, 2019 basketball prospect, committed to Alabama today and the final day of the Peach Jam Classic in North Augusta. He had the Gamecocks and Clemson among his final five. Gary, speaking with the state newspaper and other assembled media in North Augusta, talked about wanting to branch out from his South Carolina home. You know, I've been a South Carolina for all my life, you know, but getting out of the state, playing for a different culture and a different environment, it'll be a good thing for me, a good fit for me. You know, no distraction up there, but at the same time, I got I got 10 back up there. One, one player for South Carolina, so me and him go, go at it every day, you know, in practice. So I just know I got somebody up there watching my back, watch over me like a little bro, but at the same time, me and Coach Jamie got that connection. Coach Petway, Coach Yaw, everybody up there, Coach Dow, they all putting their own force in me. Gary, just the latest of the highly touted class of 2019 to make his decision. Of course, Trey Hannibal committed to South Carolina earlier this summer. Gary will join former Midlands basketball player Tevin Mack, who transferred to the Crimson Tide from Texas and has two years of eligibility left. Thursday, a big day for USC baseball recruiting as Mark Kingston gets pledges from two top 100 commitments in the 2020 class. Outfielder Josh Schuler of Georgia and Lucas Cook of Knoxville, Tennessee. Schuler comes to the Gamecocks with 6'2", strong, muscular build, according to Perfect Game. Also, Schuler plays football for North Gwinnett High School, while Lucas Cook comes to the Gamecocks after decommitting from Mississippi State earlier this month with the coaching change, with Chris Limonis coming in to replace Gary Henderson. He is a two-way talent and strength in all facets of his game, including arm strength, exit velocity, and raw power. Don't forget, next week on Sports Talk, we'll be broadcasting from SEC Media Days in Atlanta beginning Monday and ACC's Media Kickoff Wednesday and Thursday with Davos Sweeney's Golf Tournament on Tuesday as well. From the Reserve at Lake Kiwi, we'll have interviews from players and coaches across both conferences next week. Will Pelagic, South Carolina Radio Network Sports. What can you find at JR's This and That? Well, a little bit of everything. All priced below retail. Let me repeat, all below retail. So, what kind of this and that are we talking about at JR's This and That? Well, electronics, home decor, toys, furniture, and more. A wide variety of this with more of that arriving regularly. Come see Josh Hodge and his staff at JR's This and That. 2135 Cannons Campground Road in Spartanburg. JR's This and That. A little bit of everything, a whole lot of value. 
It's like this and like that and like this, Santa. Will you have enough income in retirement? Many aren't prepared and risk outliving their future income. You need a retirement income plan, and that's where Trent Lancaster of Jenny Montgomery Scott can help. Call Trent at 866-567-8282 for your complimentary personalized analysis of your sources of retirement income and expenses you may face. Call Trent today and take a retirement test drive. Call 866-567-8282 or visit TrentLancaster.com. Member FINRA, NYSE, and SIPC. Live from the Beacon Drive-In Studios in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Gentlemen, start your ringtone. <laughs> Fox Sports 1498.3 FM presents Start Your Engines. Here's your race team for today. Show producer, Ronnie Black. Track reporter and racing insider, Nelson Crozier. Former NASCAR team manager and author, Greg Moore. Now, here's your host for Start Your Engines. Racing historian and author, Perry Allen Wood. And welcome back to Start Your Engines, a very pleasing second hour. Think we got another hour left in us, boys? Yeah, I tell you what, we got what uh, we got a good guy coming on right now, Mr. Ernie Smith, who's been down in Atlanta, and he has really been, like I say, he he's one of our local guys that's really made a lot of headway uh, in drag racing. And anyway, Ernie, what uh, are, are y'all headed back? home or are you headed to, to the next race but tell us kind of what went on down in atlanta and where you headed well we just pulled out from ed clark's beautiful facility down here at atlanta motor speedway we came down and did his friday night drags last night did a little match racing you know back in back in the 60s the way that uh you know all these guys made their money was match racing from wasn't the big national events but now we're heading up to paradise dragway in calhoun georgia we had few problems last night but we're hopefully going to straighten it out this morning and make a few test passes up there but before we head back home to spartanburg <laughs> yeah but i know y'all been making some headway with the car because uh, you know we, we talk i mean you talk quite a bit and uh you, you said that you made a gear change that uh, re- really helped it uh last week and it's coming out of the hole better and um so i think it's just a little more tweaking and we're gonna be where we need to be with it i mean it just uh uh, you started out with a whole new car and different motor, and I think you were saying, but uh, well, the deal with the cylinder heads is going to help too. We got to got to got to get a, get a guy to work on them things. I think new heads are really really going to help. We've actually talked to him for a while down here last night. He was down here watching us. Uh, yeah, all we really changed on the car. We took a five fourteen gear out of the rear end, put a four eighty eight in it, and played around with shift points and transmission a little. Little Henry J. really woke up, and like I say, we're making some good, fast, straight passes now, and, you know, we're starting to go rounds and starting to get where we need to be. Ernie, tell us tell us what you've, uh, what your car is, what class are you in, and, and, and tell, us about, uh, tell us about your car. Well, it's a 1952 Henry J. made by Kaiser. Uh, I run in A-gas, the way the Southeast Casters run. Everything's weight to cubic inch, you know, heads up. First guy there wins drag racing. A gas, what I run in, has to be six pounds per cubic inch. B gas, eight pounds per cubic inch. And C gas, 10 pounds per cubic inch. That way, you know, small block, big block, you know, Ford, Chevrolet, everybody's on an equal playing field. That's why I've done that car for a while. Exactly. And it's the way the old, it's the way Pro Stock started back in drag racing. You know, everything was weight to cubic inch. And it makes for good 
close. You know, you don't see anybody get out ran by 10 car lengths. You know, it's most finishes are a fender or less. <laughs> well, Ernie, with the, the class is set up so close like that, I know it's crucial getting out of the hole. What kind of time do you have getting out of the hole? What do you average? I'll average on a pro tree about .08 seconds, 07 on a good day. Down at Myrtle Beach last weekend, I don't know if it was just me or the tree set up or what, but down there, I, you know, I was seeing it well. I was like one, you know, about one thousandths of a second the car was moving. That's great. And uh, here in Atlanta last night, I think I was around 05, 06. The car's reacting a lot better. Uh, I've got a lot, you know, I came from that 56 Chevrolet I drove last year, a lot bigger, longer wheelbase car. And as as a driver say, you know, me and this car have got acquainted now. We're, we're starting <laughs> to work together. <laughs> Take it to lunch. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's it. We're, we're starting to work as a team here now. You know, anytime you go into a, a new car, be it a new drag car, NASCAR, dirt car, what you know, whatever the case may be, there's a learning curve there. You know, you got to find what this car wants as opposed to what you did before. And, and we're starting to find what this car wants. Yeah. And it sounds like I'm making a lot of headway with it. Do you still have a Fox sticker on the back of it? It is painted right there on the back. There's no, no sticker. No it, painted. One of, one of our rules, you know, we, with our group, everything is nostalgia racing. The cars have to be 1967 or older. And, you know, back in the mid-60s, there wasn't any vinyl machines or everything. Everything was painted. So our rules are even that strict on everything has to be painted on the cars. Uh, you know, we go out and search all over the United States to find period-correct wheels. You know, no modern wheels, no modern electronics. You know, everything's back old-school, mid-60s, where drag racing started. Well, if you had a sticker on there, we could say that you were acquainted with Fox Sports. But since you've got us painted on there, you're committed. That's right. I I'm glad fellas, to... you don't know how much I appreciate y'all's commitment to me. Well, I mean, that's... you know, any, any kind of racing takes money. And, you know, your sponsorship, sponsorship of Priority Heat and Air, Aces High Tattoo, Village Garage down here in Atlanta. You know, if it wasn't for guys like you and people like you that believe in me and believe in what I'm trying to do, you know, it, it wouldn't be possible to do this. Well, we do, Ernie, and we want to get you in the studio sometime. Uh, we're, um, uh, we'll make time for you. Anybody that paint us on their car, we gotta, we got to keep you up. Well, you know, I love coming in there anytime I can. Yeah, and uh, matter of fact, so, well, ne next thing we got to do is me and your wife and me and Bert, we got to go eat somewhere. <laughs> you know, we had we, 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 we got to get that done this week. Yeah, they were trying to get in the restaurant, and and we, uh, me and Ernie started racing, and uh, Bert kept saying, "Well, they want to go eat." You know, his wife would want to go anyway. But we we got busy racing. I finally put Bert on the phone, and uh, anyway, pretty good deal. Berta, Berta talked herself into uh, finance a set of tires. Which, yeah, she did, and tell her I love her for it. Well, like I say, it was good because, you know, man, you talk about when, what, when, you know, you get a few runs out of them. And uh, so I told Berta, I said, well, I said, you done one thing by talking. You talked talk, <laughs> talk up a set of tires. It made my day. It made my day, but I, I wanted to do it anyway. It and, made uh, mine, too. You know, that's one thing about Berta, me and her have known each other she used to be my babysitter back, you know, she's not that much older than me, but I grew up next door to her and, you know, just it's like, it's become a family thing here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Now, could she talk as much back then as she does now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, she oh, looks, oh, yeah. She loves racing, and she's, she's proud as heck. You know, it's got the starchy engines on the back of that car, and, and your car does run, and it's just going to get better and better. So I, I hope this turns into a, a long-term uh, marriage. Now, you, I'm, I'm hoping so. You know, we're really searching hard. We've, we've got, you know, the small, several small sponsors. I'm, you know, I'm trying to make contacts, trying to, I need to find that, that one big one. And I know they're out there. I mean, you know, you, you look at NASCAR now and not to downplay NASCAR, you know, the NASCAR team is the 48 team. A few teams were down here testing at the Speedway yesterday, but you know, there's millions involved in sponsoring one of those cars, you know, and to sponsor something like I do is nowhere close to that. Still, it still takes money, though. It still takes money, but, you know, it, uh, the smaller companies out there want to get involved in racing with, you know, we have an, one thing, the nostalgia scene is growing so big. We have a following that's just unbelievable worldwide. We had four guys down at our Myrtle Beach race that had flew over here from Ireland uh, we had guys come in from Australia this year. We last year we had fourteen different groups from thirteen different countries. Wow! Fly over here just to watch us run these things. That's and neat. It, it is, and you know, because the stuff we do, we don't go to the big Bristol's and the big Charlotte four wide. You know, the the big tracks. Our stuff is. We want people to have the '60s drag racing fields. So you know, we go to the. Smaller mom and pop tracks like you know Shady Side up there, in Shelby, North Carolina. Uh, we're like where I'm heading to today, Paradise Dragway down here in Calhoun. These tracks were built back in the fifties, you know, and that's what our show's geared to. We want people when they come through the gate, you know. One of the biggest things to me is we were sitting at Shady Side first this year, and an older gentleman, probably in his eighties, walked up with a, another gentleman, probably late fifties, another man probably 30s and a kid about 13 they were looking at my car and the guy in his 30s looked at the little boy and said you know this this is what your your great granddad did back in the 60s and suddenly great granddad's coolness factor went way up to this kid (laughs) you know you just you saw him just look at his grandfather in a whole new light and to me that is one of the greatest things about this you know people come through the gate at our show and they're in 1967 and that's what's good, Ernie. And, and, you know, that's one of the things uh, NASCAR kind of drifted away from. Of course, NASCAR, the cars changed a lot, but people love, people love antique cars, and they really love antique cars that, that really haul tail down a drag strip. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, it, and it's popular exactly. everywhere. Exactly. It is. And the popularity of the nostalgia racing all across racing is growing. I mean, you like you say with NASCAR, you know, I think the world Ed Clark down here, he has a first rate facility here at Atlanta. You know, we came down here around on Pitt Road last night, but you know, as an exhibition because he had invited us down. Yeah. And, you know, David Harbin from Harbin Mechanical down here, big sponsor of the, our whole series, invited us all down and it was fun to do just to say I ran it at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Well, it says a but, lot for the series that y'all run in, uh and 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 you guys that are competing in it. Ernie, uh, did, did you say that this is that you your car is a '52 model? A '52 Kaiser Henry J. Well, see, I'm a '52 model, and I know how hard it is to get parts for those things. 
and uh, <laughs> and a lot of mine are wearing out. And Ronnie's over here pushing the buttons, and he's a fifty-two model. 52 so uh, model, you were, uh, but you couldn't pick a fifty-two <laughs> Ford or something. You might actually find someplace, but I mean that's got to be tough with a Henry J. It is. I mean, it, but that's to to me and to a lot of our guys that run this stuff. That's part of the fun. You know, you, you're searching, you and you know, you make contacts all over the U.S. by going online and just that and the other, searching for parts for these old cars. And a lot of times, the hunt is, you know, that that's as much fun as actually putting the part on the car as actually finding it. Now, are you able to remanufacture a part to the exact specifications of what came off or what broke or whatever or wore out? To a point, we can. Uh, you know, my car was built by Stott Speed Shot speed shop quain stop from up in green creek north carolina and you know we have miller machines lace and stuff and quain is you know first class world renowned chassis builder for drag cars and i mean we can usually take apart and you know if it's broken we've got the dimensions we can usually make it if we have to yeah i tell you that's amazing and and, and like you say for a division like that which is obviously popular because it is what people want to see, and they race competitively. They race fast in that thing. But to be invited to places like Atlanta Speedway uh, to put on, you know, and, and a lot of people show up to see these things. And uh, I can't wait till me and Burke get with one close and, and see them because I know well, I take, the sound's take incredible. Take me with you. I want to go. I want to see this. Yep. Well, you're going to go with me. I, I want to see this. Because I, I can't drive too good, and, and Berta scared you to death, so. Well, I can't drive till I get my leg fixed, yeah. but uh, but you brought me in this morning and got out of the driveway fine. Ernie, look, it's great having you on the show. Uh, Greg's been talking about you, and uh, I don't know if I've met you before. I, I think maybe I have, but I'm not sure. But I have now, and we want to have you in the studio, and it's just a, a pleasure hearing somebody that's, that's, that's doing what you're doing. And, man, nobody loves to see the old stuff run more than me. Well, guys, you don't know how much I appreciate your sport, you know, the times you've had me on the show here you know the one time last year i was in the studio and you're in a, your financial support to me you guys don't know how much it really means to me and i, I really appreciate it you know myself my wife paula it, it wouldn't be possible for us to be out here on the road if it wasn't for people like you well we appreciate you uh doing what you're doing and we'll we'll do what we can on this end and um we're gonna find some more money we'll find you some money we're somehow gonna find some more money Greg's got deep pockets over here. So no, he's no, a, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I can't take on the whole car, you know. But uh, he's we, doing we, what we, he can. We, 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 we're doing what we can, but we gonna. There's there's sponsors out there. Well, we're gonna yeah, have that's, to go ahead. That's what I say. The 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 one sponsor that wants the exposure that's out there, and you know, hopefully it's somebody in Spartanburg. I I would really love, to, and you know, now Spartanburg's grown so much. We have several international companies, bigger industry there, and. I'm, you know, I'll take sponsorship from wherever I get it. You know, if there's a company who wants me to paint this thing bright pink and put their name on it, if their their heart's right, it can be a bright pink race car. But, you know, I would really, really love to keep this thing, you know, something from Spartanburg. But, well, you know, well, thank you. hopefully the possibility's there. If not, we'll move on. Well, thank you. Just don't paint over the Fox logo. And we'll uh, be back uh, after this break. Thank you, Ernie. We'll be talking to you later. And this is Fox Sports Spartanburg. Talk racing with the guys. 
Call the Sign Force hotline now at 864-468-1400. Start your engine returns in a moment on Fox Sports 1400 and 98.3 FM. Steve and Jerry here from the world-famous Beacon Drive-In in Spartanburg. The Beacon has served over 300 menu selections of burgers, barbecue, chicken, fish, and more for over 70 years. Jerry, what's been the most popular? Chili cheese, I ain't I need flounder. Cheeseburger like a burger, make it crust. Give me a bacon whip, no trim. <laughs> Had a feeling you'd say that. Join Steve and Jerry at the world-famous Beacon Drive-In, John B. White Senior Boulevard in Spartanburg. Hey, plantain. Speedy Lube in Inman says to save time is to lengthen life for you and your car. Let Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman, lengthen the life and performance of your vehicle. Speedy Lube offers professional ASC certified mechanical service for your car. Be it an oil change, AC work, tires, brakes, front end, or any type of major or minor repair. Trust Speedy Lube in Inman. Open weekdays from 8 till 6. For fast, fair, and friendly service, visit Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman. If you'd like to learn what life was like in South Carolina's backcountry during the Revolutionary War or the antebellum era, the Spartanburg Historical Society can help. Tours are available daily from 11 to 4 for living history events at both Walnut Grove and the Sea House all summer long. Join historians as they share more about life in the backcountry at Walnut Grove and the Sea House. For more information, visit SpartanburgHistory.org. That's SpartanburgHistory.org. Dan Patrick. I'm looking for my fix of the Dan Patrick Show on the radio. This man, hello, is Dan Patrick. I'm one of the best three-point shooting talking heads. And you know when it comes to the biggest guests in Spartanburg sports. Former South Carolina head coach Steve Spurrier. Dan Patrick. Weekdays at 9 on Spartanburg's Fox Sports 1400. Now on FM at 98.3. The new way was new way back in 1938. And it's still going strong today. With quick service for lunch, sandwiches, sides, and your favorite beverage. And no trip to the new way is complete without trying their original redneck cheeseburger or redneck nachos made with the New Way's homemade famous pimento cheese. The New Way has lunch specials Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. Try the New Way's specialty sandwiches, including their grown-up grilled cheese. The New Way, still going strong after nearly 80 years. 373 East Kennedy Street. Look for the PBR sign and the big red door. It's the call nobody wants to make. Your home or business has water or fire damage or mold. Let Service Master of the Upstate make that call a little easier. Service Master of the Upstate restores homes and businesses alike. If you've been hit with mold or fire or water damage, call today at 582-3451. Service Master of the Upstate also cleans carpets, rugs, and hard surface flooring. Make that call a little easier. Call Dyer and Amanda Jennings at Service Master of the Upstate, 582-3451. 582-3451. Every now and then, we need to get away and relax. And there's no better way than spending time at the lake. Watery Lake RV Park and Marina in Liberty Hill, South Carolina is the perfect place place to decompress. At Watery Lake RV, enjoy full hookups, a bathhouse, bar and grill, and a boat ramp marina with ethanol-free gas. Hookups available on nightly, weekly, or monthly. Watery Lake RV Park and Marina in Liberty Hill, where families get away. Mention Fox Sports 1400 and get 5% off your stay up to three days. Call 803-273-3013. The Elite Audio Text Line is open via the Fox Sports 1400 app. Download it now by searching Fox Sports 1400 either at the Apple Store or via Google Play. Oh, 
Welcome back to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg at the Beacon Drive-In Studios, which uh, I thought of because we are in the Beacon Drive-In Studios, and I'm getting hungry. Me too. Yeah. Well, Murphy's Law. That's the name of Gene Murphy's uh, column in the Herald Journal, and it's excellent about the local scene, and that's what caught my eye, and that's what's going to make him a regular on this show and on this special two-hour edition the reason we're two hours is so we can give Gene as much time as he wants to bring us up to speed on the local scene. So uh, for this inaugural edition of Murphy's Law, here's Gene Murphy. Uh, thank, thanks for having me again. Uh, I'm just going to get right into it. Uh, after the big Lucas Oil Lake Mall Dirt Series race last Friday night, Cherokee Speedway is uh, taking the night off. Uh, they're going to resume operations next Saturday night, July 21st. Uh, it will be a uh, fan appreciation night. Grandstand admission will be only five dollars. Uh, classes running next Saturday night will be uh, Seeker Late Models, Limited Sportsman, Crate Sportsman, Renegade, Thunder Bomber, Pure Stock, Stock Four, Young Guns, and Extreme Four. That'll be a big show for just five dollar admission in the grandstands. And again, that will be next saturday night july 21st cherokee is off tonight and uh also uh, moving on going to harris speedway's plans for a night they're also not running tonight they're taking the night off uh it's right here in the heat of the summer uh not kind of a, a odd thing the tracks do this from time to time so uh harris is also off tonight but next saturday night july 21st they'll have the blue ridge uh outlaw late models headline their racing program and also on their program uh, in the support divisions will be the Renegade Stock 8 Crate Sportsman Division. And uh, they kind of run all those cars together because they're all pretty similar. Uh, then we got the Sika Thunder Bombers, Young Guns, Pure Stock, Front Wheel Drive, V6 Front Wheel Drive, and Stock 4. And uh, once again, Harris is, is not running tonight. This will be next Saturday, July 21st. Uh, now, Traveler's Rest Speedway is racing tonight, so maybe they can gain uh, some people, some fans that come over and check them out tonight. Maybe hadn't been over there before. Maybe our uh, Harris or Cherokee regulars, maybe they'd want to get out and in the mood to go racing. Maybe go out Traveler's Rest, check them out. Uh, the racing car tonight at Traveler's Rest is going to consist of Extreme 4 front-wheel drive, the Renegade Stock 8 Crate Sportsman Division, Pure Stock, Sika Thunder Bomber, and SCDRA front-wheel drives. Uh, grandstand mission is $15. Pits are $30. Driver's meeting is scheduled for 6.30 with hot laps starting at 7. And they are pl also planning a meet and greet tonight on the front stretch uh, for, between drivers and fans. So it should be a fun night tonight at Traveler's Rest. And uh, before I close on Traveler's Rest, well, I'd like to mention that their track owner, Mike Hawkins, uh, passed away a couple of weeks ago on June 25th. And uh, our deepest condolences here at the show go out to his family and friends and i hope they have a great turnout tonight so the place can start to heal and get back to business to what they what they used to doing is racing having a good time gene now with all the uh the different divisions with the name of them like thunder bombers they they try to make it sound exciting and these are exciting races aren't they oh yeah the uh the support division like i'm I, of course i'm i'm a big dirt late model guy big super late uh super late model guy but the support divisions that's what that's what keeps your tracks going week to week you got to have 
you got to have your support divisions, your, lo- your uh, lower divisions. And I'm saying lower, not as a detriment, just as lower division compared to like a headline and like a super late mile show that comes in every so often. But you've got to have these these teams, these divisions that come in every week, and they're for sure exciting, exciting racing, you know. And it's, you know, I don't know if any kind of racing is anything you'd call affordable, but, you know, it is the more affordable type of racing. It's, it's entry-level racing. Uh, some of the some of the divisions, you know, you can't call them entry-level, like like you mentioned the Thunder Bombers. I mean, that is but more of a, a faster car, you know, uh, professionally built chassis. Uh, you know, there's time in these cars, money in these cars. I mean, it's and they're fast. They put on a good show. And uh, now what I've got planned is after the show concludes here at the Bacon Driving Studio, I'm uh, headed to Rural Retreat, Virginia, to visit Fred Brown's big half-mile whiff raceway. And uh, the Southern uh, Schaefer's old Southern National Series kicks off its 14th season tonight at the facility with a 10,000-win event. And uh, now, Is that a dirt or an asphalt track? That's a dirt track. It's a it's a big wide, uh, half mile, uh, tan clay, not red clay like we used to around here. It's it's tan clay. It's a it's a beautiful facility. It's uh, uh, the Browns they built it, uh, owned it since the seventies. Uh, same family's run it the whole time. Perry Brown is his son, is uh, involved in day to day operations of of the track, and uh, it's just a super place, really fast place, uh, and it's uh on this Schaefer's old Southern Nationals tour, what it is, it's like a, it's really a test of man and machine. It's a, it's a, a short, intense tour. And what they're going to do is they start at night and they're going to run 11 events in 15 days. And, wow. and it's, you know, you got to have your stuff together. Of course, you to, to really run for the points, you'd need a backup car, backup engine, all the backup pieces you need. And, um, but it's a it's a really intense deal. That this year they're running Virginia, Tennessee, Georgia. That's where all eleven races will be. Uh, starts tonight at Whiff, uh, concludes two weeks from today on July twenty eighth at Tazewell Speedway in Tennessee. And uh, if anybody's familiar with with Tazewell, it's one of the it's one of those bucket list dirt tracks that you've got to go to. It's it's high banked. Uh, it's a third of a mile track. It's a great place to have the finale to the to the series i mean the lap times at ties were like i think the track record's 10 and a half seconds i mean it's super fast around that place and it's a great place to close out that series uh brandon overton who finished second at uh lucas oil lake model dirt series race last week at cherokee he's a defending champion of the shavers oil southern nationals he's he told me last week that he was gonna defend his title at uh for the southern national stores so he'll be a contender uh one of them you can't Getting started is hard to see who's going to make it all the way, make it the whole two weeks. Uh, may see some start out with the intention, have some trouble, fall off. You may see some that was just planning to run a couple of races, start out real good, and say, hey, we're running so good, let's go ahead and run the whole thing. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, with this being really an endurance contest, is it more car-centric or driver-centric? And by that I mean... Does it matter that the car runs all the 11 races or the same driver runs all the 11 races? Uh, same driver. Same driver. And it's uh, like I think anybody that's planning on going into this deal, running for the points, running the whole thing, they'd have two cars. And uh, because, you know, if you tear a car up one night and 
you go into a race the next night, you know, a hundred miles or whatever away, you really you don't have time to really repair anything major. So you'd need to have a a backup car. So, and then you got to, I think this gets more into the the mentality of the drivers because you know you just can't. You may hold off on a super aggressive move to win a race tonight. Um, if you're up in the points, you know, you may, you may have to think, you know, maybe not go for the win. If I can just settle here and run for second or third, or, you know, you may get a driver that just has got in his mind, you know, man, I'm going to try to win as many of these things as I can and just, uh, you know, go for it. So it's, it's, it's a, I've always liked this tour sort of modeled after a sort of a mini version of the UMP summer nationals tour, which is, it's just, it's going to conclude tonight and the UMP summer nationals tour is Midwest oriented out and, uh, you know, like Illinois, Indiana and everything, Ohio. And they generally run like 28, 30 races in 33, 34 days. And it's really a massive test of man and machine. Well, how many of the 11 races do you think you'll get to see? What I'm planning on is going to each Saturday event. I'm going, I'm going to go to WIF tonight for the opener and, and, Next Saturday, I'm going to go to Scriven Motor Speedway in Sylvania, Georgia, and then I'm planning to go to Tazewell the following Saturday for the the, the uh, finale. And each one of those are 10,000 win races. The races during the week are, I'm not sure all the payoffs, but they're between they usually are between 3,500 and 5,300 to win. But I know the three Saturday races I'm planning on, they're all 10,000 to win. Wow. So, uh, and you know, when it's uh, the this series has got. Uh, a lot of history tied to our area also because the I say it was the four, it's the 14th year of this tour. Uh, it was started by Ray Cook, who's a racer and promoter. Ray's more promoter now than he is racer, but he still race every so often. But he started in 2005. It's ran con- consecutive, consecutively in the month of July ever since, every year. Spartanburg's Jeff Cook, uh, uh, who everybody knows, has anybody been to a dirt track or like Cherokee or anything over the years familiar with Jeff Cook? He was the inaugural champion of the tour in 2005. Uh, Gaffney's Chris Madden is the series' uh, most prolific race winner with uh, 24 career victories in the series. And uh, to take, get to give you an idea of that number, the man who's in second place on the all-time wins list is Casey Roberts out of Tacoa, Jordan. He's got 12 wins. So Chris Madden's got double the wins of the second place man and uh and man's not a he's not running the series this year of course he's over on the world outlaws tour but uh man also has the most championships in the southern national series with five and uh pales is john Davenport, who's the points leader in luke's oil series he's got two uh championships in the southern national series so it's it's got a lot of local ties it's a it's a southeast based uh series uh it's varied between what tracks have ran over the years, but a lot of them have pretty much been locks every year. And this year, it just so happens to be that the 11 races are in Georgia, Tennessee, and Virginia. I was going to say, any of the midweek races going to be close to here? Uh, let's see. Probably. Hmm. Let's see. Bulls Gaps. Bulls Gaps coming up at the beginning of the week. Bulls Gaps about. Two and a half, yeah, it's two and a half, three hours. And uh, Scriven, it's, it's three, three and a half hours. I'd say probably the closest uh, for us in this area is probably about a two and a half, maybe three hour ride. That's maybe. still not bad for this kind of 
No, and, and now, what's the distance of the race? Uh, most of them are, are uh, 50 laps, I believe. 40, 50 laps, I believe. Uh, I think they, I think they vary uh, from one to the other. Uh, some of them, some of them vary. It depends on like the the pay, uh, like the bigger paying races there. Of course, a little far, like it'd be a 50 lap or whatever. There'll be there'll be support divisions. Like I, I hadn't got listed what we've got down, but I think I read that they had four or five support divisions. And you've about got to have uh, support divisions run also, just so there's time in between hot laps, qualifying for everybody to and heat races for everybody to work on their cars, make adjustments. And really, for everybody to get their money's worth for their tickets. That's right, because I mean, there's a fine line between keeping someone at the track too long and then you know but you don't want them to feel like they didn't get their money's worth too you don't want to blow through a show and get done in just a couple hours See you later, bye. yeah and then, then you feel like well i just paid such and such money and i don't i don't feel like i got my money's worth so but then you don't want to sit there all night either you know so there's there's a fine line you know and i think uh i think everybody tries to balance out a lot of times things come into play of course something crazy may happen you know maybe the order truck breaks down or you have a uh, a lengthy caution and maybe maybe a record breaks or something you know you just something you can't you know things you can't control but i think for the most part everybody tries to stay on cue and keep the show rolling you know and um i said i plan on hitting those three races of that and then but moving on to our two regional dirt late mile tours um uh, they're also both off this weekend. Carolina Clash, Super Late Mile Series. They're not back in action until Saturday, August 4th with a 4,000 win show at Lancaster Speedway. And uh, the Ultimate Super Late Mile Series will be back in action Saturday, July 28th at Dixie Speedway in Woodstock, Georgia for a 4,000 win show. And like I say, this is time of year when, you know, some of the places and some of the tours, you know, maybe schedule a, a night off or something here and there because, you know, heat will will get you. You know, it'll, it'll hurt your crowd. And, uh, I seen where a couple of shows that ran last night at the Midwest and all they pushed their shows back a half hour, hour, you know, just to try to beat the heat, not keep everybody in the heat so long. Uh, the Lucas Oil Series ran last night at Tri City Speedway in Granite City, Illinois, and uh, Earl Pearson Jr. from Jacksonville, Florida, took a twelve thousand dollar win. Jimmy Owens, Tim McCready, Mason Ziegler, and Bobby Pierce ran it out the top five, and the point leader Jonathan Davenport finished in the ninth position. And uh, Lucas Oil Series will be back uh, racing tonight. Uh, they're at their namesake racetrack, Lucas Oil Speedway in Wheatland, Missouri, for another 12,000-win event. And uh, the World Outlaws Craftsman Lake Mall Series ran last night at River City Speedway in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Uh, both the national tours are kind of on this Midwest uh, swing right now that uh, I know has got a big ruling for everybody that's from down this area, like Madden, Davenport, anybody that's based around this way and, you know, be gone racing a long way from home. And so they're on that kind of a tough uh, swing right now. Uh, Mike Marler of uh, Winfield, Tennessee, was the winner last night at World Outlaws race. Uh, Brandon Shepard, Devin Moran, Ricky Weiss, and Shane Clanton completed the top five in that race. And uh, Marler and uh, Gaffney's Chris Madden were tied for the point lead going into the race last night. Uh, but unfortunately, Madden dropped out of the race on the 38th lap uh, due to some kind of mechanical problem. I was reading the race report, and uh, hopefully Madden and the Barry Wright race cars team can rebound tonight for a good finish at uh, Ogilvy Speedway in Ogilvy, Minnesota. 
And uh, let's see. Uh, oh, and one thing I was wanting to mention, it's been a big buzz about, is uh, after the fires of speculation were really stoked last Friday night when uh, Mount Holly, North Carolina racer Chris Ferguson was, was actively working on Scott Bloomquist's race car in the pits, Cherokee Speedway, during the Lucas Oil race last week. It was confirmed this week that Ferguson will be acquiring uh, two sweet Bloomquist cars and team up with Bloomquist for at least the rest of the season. Uh, Ferguson's family-owned team will run in select events, starting with the Prairie Dirt Classic at Fairbury American Legion Speedway in Fairbury, Illinois, during the weekend of July 27th, 28th. That's when uh, Ferguson and, and the family are planning on having the car ready to compete. And, of course, the Prairie Dirt Classic is a is a huge fan favorite. The whole town gets into the race, and this is one that – Everybody looks forward to uh, drivers that have ran it. Say it's one of their favorite events of the year, so that'll be a good time for Ferguson and them to debut this this new deal. And I, for one, looking forward to seeing what this combination produces. Uh, Ferguson's won big races. He's got Luke Soil wins. He's got World Outlaw wins, and uh, he started out this year on the World Outlaws Tour, running for Rookie of the Year. Uh, they struggled on the tour. Uh, I admitted that they just. Uh, for varying reasons, and uh, they decided to abandon the tour uh, a couple weeks ago. Sold the rocket chassis. They just said it was just a one-car team. Sold the rocket chassis, uh, and they've teamed up with Bloomquist. Going to acquire this sweet Bloomquist chassis. Uh, and anytime Scott Bloomquist is involved in a story, it's going to create some buzz. And this has been a big one ever since it came to light. So I'm just uh, you know best of luck to all parties involved in this endeavor. I hope it works out good for everybody. And uh, I think we're going to go move on to break and uh, come back uh, at the Beacon Drive-In uh, Fox Sports 1498.3 uh, studios here in Spartanburg. And I'll turn it back to you, Ronnie. Uh, we'll be back right after this break. Fox Sports 1400 now has an app. Like mozzarella sticks? No, it's an app for your phone. My phone is hungry? Okay. So for the rest of you, download the Fox Sports 1400 app today with our elite audio text line. Just search Fox Sports 1400 in Google Play or the App Store. Download our app today by searching Fox Sports 1400. Throughout your life, you've worked hard to accumulate assets, to build wealth, and to provide for your family. You've built a comfortable life full of shared memories and experiences. Providing and protecting your loved ones is never more critical than when you aren't there to do so. While having a will is important, it's not the only way. That is why developing an estate plan can be the best thing you will ever do for them. Working with our estate planning experts, Trent Lancaster, in the Spartanburg office of Jenny Mac. Montgomery Scott can help you to design a customized estate plan that can protect and preserve your assets for the next generation. The sooner you begin, the sooner you can be at ease knowing that your loved ones will be provided for as you intended. Contact Trent today to discuss your estate planning needs at 864-585-8282. That's 585-8282 or visit TrentLancaster.com. Kenny Montgomery Scott, LLC, member FINRA, NYSE, and SIP. Speedy Lube in Edmonds says to save time is to lengthen life for you and your car. Let Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman, lengthen the life and performance of your vehicle. Speedy Lube offers professional ASC certified mechanical service for your car. Be it an oil 
oil change, AC work, tires, brakes, front end, or any type of major or minor repair. Trust Speedy Lube in Inman. Open weekdays from 8 till 6. For fast, fair, and friendly service, visit Speedy Lube. Asheville Highway in Inman. Here comes lunchtime. Do you know that unlike some barbecue places, Bubba's Barbecue and Bash has ribs for lunch every day. Bubba's also has great burgers, pulled pork, calabash chicken, all of your favorite sides, and some of the best sauce around. Top it off with Bubba's famous banana pudding or a slice of pecan pie for dessert, and you'll make Bubba's your barbecue home. Bubba's Barbecue and Bash, 827 West Blackstock Road, just a half mile from Westgate Mall. Have lunch at Bubba's today. There's no points racing here. Greg, Perry, Ronnie, and Nelson are racing to win. You're listening to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports 1498.3 FM. If you're in the market for a job in manufacturing or distribution, or you run a business and are in need of employees in fields ranging from small-scale construction to large mechanical contracting to manufacturing, packaging, and warehousing, then let CRS help. CRS has been a reliable bridge that runs in both directions for employers and job seekers. Get your next great search started today. Call CRS at 336-2405, stop by 337 Spartan Green Boulevard in Duncan, or online at crshighright.com. We spend a lot of time in our cars, so make that time well spent with the help from Elite Audio. Elite Audio on Asheville Highway can upgrade your sound system, add a navigation system, customize your interior, and does custom tires and wheels. And check this out. Elite Audio offers 90 days same as cash with no credit check. All you need is an active checking account and proof of appointment. Visit EliteAudioOnline.com or drop by 1504 Asheville Highway in Spartanburg. At Elite Audio, you dream it, we build it. Christmas in July. Starting this Friday, the 20th at Spartan Photo Center, our Black Friday before Christmas in July sale. All photo gear is on sale. Get up to 5% in free stuff when you buy any camera in stock. Get 10% off any tripods or monopods. Get 20% off every accessory like memory cards, filters, bags, remotes, and more. And this Friday and Saturday only, get extra savings on Tamron lenses. These are the lowest prices of the year. Friday and Saturday only, Spartan Photo Center, 108 Garner Road, 583-6835. Want to text the show? Download our app to use the Elite Audio text line. Search Fox Sports 1400 either at the Apple Store or via Google Play now. Uh, Welcome back for the final segment of our monthly, I hope, two-hour edition of Start Your Engines. And uh, can I pat myself on the back? Uh, you, well, yeah. No, uh, Murphy's Law. What a great show! I mean, he just he hit everything. You know, from North Dakota to to Cherokee Speedway. I don't know, it's a lot of ground to cover. And uh, Gene, you just did a great job. Appreciate it. You're appreciate a that. great asset to the show. And uh, you be careful driving up to Virginia. I appreciate it. And I just I just want to say, you know, I it's neat being in here with y'all and and hearing the the conversation the interview this morning ricky rudd and greg talking about you know their history i mean it's just it's just neat being a part of this and and seeing this firsthand we'll get used to it we couldn't get anybody for next week so we had to settle for daryl walter who will be our our guest next week and uh maybe we'll get a boogity 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 out of him i don't know but uh great job gene yeah thank you fantastic go ahead greg put back we We've always been wanting to do local stuff because our local guys, uh, well, just like 
with Dog and Ernie. You know, it gives us the opportunity for people to keep track of what our local guys, because there's a lot of people in Spartanburg area that race locally do real good. A lot of racing history in Spartanburg. We want to give yeah. people credit that run these short tracks, and some of them go on to bigger and better things. Done great. Thank you. Well, what Thank he pointed you. out last week, that I, I guess I didn't really realize it. I should have known it, but with all the cars built in cow pens at Wright, Barry Wright race cars, and Clements building all the engines, and the two top drivers being from right here in the area, I mean, we're we're doing better than we've ever done, or as well as we've ever done on this particular level. I mean, good grief, we got a lot of people that are, are following this, and uh, we, we got to wise them up to listen to our show and to read Gene's column, which they already do that. So we're gonna we're gonna build off of this for, yeah. with our local talent. Yeah, and like, I, I have I have read his column, but I didn't put two and two together. That was you, but Murphy's Law. We always had that hanging in the engine room murphy's law all the time because murphy's law applies to racing in, in, in a lot of ways oh yeah what can go wrong will we'll go wrong at worst possible time yeah. but yeah we're glad to have you on here i'm glad to be here big, glad big to be a part of it. and greg you want to say a special thanks to somebody else well uh we got somebody that's actually a part of the team and been part of the team for a while we're going to try to get him in here next week if we can get him to talk a little bit but uh yeah my cousin lanny mckinney He's maintained the, the, the Bud Moore website uh, for years. And naturally, he automatically started doing stuff about the radio show at about the same time. And uh, but this year, he's he's even upped it more. And you can go to www.budmore.us or something like that. I, I, I'm not sure. Or anyway, but it, you can... You Google Bud Moore, you'll, get, you'll yeah, find it. Yeah, and, and you, it's got Perry's books in there. Uh, it's got books that even some other people wrote and uh, a lot of information and we can't thank Lanny enough and we're going to have him on here. Should have done had him on here. But anyway. But the thing is the podcast is, is what, yeah. that's what, that's the point I wanted to bring up. Yeah, you're true, right about all that but as far as the show, Gene pointed out to me a couple of weeks ago, he said, well, I listened to the, when we first did this, we first discussed it the next time I talked to Gene, he said, well, I listened to a couple of the shows on the podcast. And I said, what podcast? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know we had one. And um, so he told me how to find it. And it's real easy. You know, if you got a smartphone and I pulled up the podcast and I listened to like three or four shows last week. I listened to the Kale Yarborough show and the Jerry Punch. He doesn't have them all. But one that he does have, we were having technical trouble because we record all the shows. And we were having trouble recording the one we did live from Holden Marine, sitting out there in the boat in the parking lot. And that was fun. We got pictures from it. Yeah, and, and it was Dale Inman who did all that talking about the racing at the fairgrounds and Billy Wade and Ed Jarrett. He's got it. So we weren't able to get it here, and he's always served as a backup. Yeah. Well, and, uh, and so we, we, need to get, we need to get him on the show and uh, pull up our podcast. Gosh, I listened well, to three of them this week. Like I say, uh, Lanny, uh, you know, he's – He's a direct family member, uh, his mother, uh, Bud's oldest sister, and uh, Lanny's just done wonders. He's just done wonders for this thing, and uh, we just—he's—he's a, he's a big part. And, you talk uh, about an un, unsung hero. Right. I'd say he's it because uh, he's doing stuff we nobody asked him to do, and and nobody's giving him anything for it. So we're gonna give him some credit. Yeah. Yeah, and get him in all, here. Get him in here in the next few weeks. Well, he he's another one of our vol uh, uh, faithful volunteers that does a lot, 
for the love of racing that's what it is i mean uh, i might accidentally sell a book through this and uh i know you're doing it for the love of racing i'm doing it for the love to, to preserve the history which is all i'm about really with the books i write and everything and and gene um knows the history and the local stuff and and ronnie of course he's he's been here since the start pushing the button so um we got a good we got a good four-man operation here but i didn't know it was a five-man operation yeah yep. we got to get lanny in here but lanny he he come to the shop uh when my aunt helen was alive which uh she passed away several years ago but he come by the shop religiously every monday or tuesday after the race to see what happened and uh he he's probably the biggest at all the, the family one of the biggest supporters of the whole thing <laughs> I can't thank him enough. We'll go get him on here. We're going to thank him. We're going to thank him enough. I'm going to get Daryl on here, too. I'm going to say, say, look. Now, that'll be a catch. Yeah. Well, Lanny will be easier to catch than Daryl. Oh, yeah. Well, so would uh, the Loch Ness Monster. Well, yeah. But uh, I mean, we're going to have to hypnotize Daryl to get him in here. But you know what? Daryl could have some fascinating stories. heck, yeah. I mean, you know, I was talking about the the Budweiser commercial with Dale Jr. several years ago about taking the guys for a ride. Mm Mm-hmm. And the guy, that was really, that really happened. And it was Richard Petty and Daryl, it was Darlington. Richard was running pretty hard and had a reporter that had been wanting to do it, aggravating, aggravating. And, you know, Daryl, he was hanging on the road bars. He was small and this guy sitting in the back seat. And they didn't know if that guy was called an ambulance. He didn't know whether to laugh or cry or whatever. And Richard and them laughed. And it, 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 it that was back in the, like, 64 and it lasted, went through the garage here, lasted long enough to make a commercial with Dale Jr. So, Daryl's got some tales. Well, I want to hear some uh, about him running around with my brother. Well, we may have to talk about some of that, I think. <laughs> with uh, Daryl had that, uh, that GTO. Then he, uh, three deuces, had, three deuces had, and a four speed. Had to hide it because y'all were, were running Fords. Yeah, you know, with Pontiac for. Uh, what was it uh, from 60 what, what, till uh yeah till 63 yeah and we won the, you know, only won two championships two with championships win it and with it and then we went to mercury and when we got down to daytona you know daryl had a, a brand new uh you know gto and then factory people you know that that was your sponsor back then you had to have them and uh they, they just told us they won't take no chances park it on the other side of the castleway and Perry remembers that motel. It was what it was the king of the motels back then. But Darryl had we, didn't want, we didn't need we didn't need the Ford people to see it. So anyway, uh, Daryl get on the show, tell some good stuff. Well, that'll that'll be a real catch to get Daryl. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to touch on a few things that happened last week and what's going to happen in the future. Uh, they did run the Indy cars last week at Iowa in the Iowa Corn Three Hundred and James Hinchcliffe sort of made a little bit of amends for missing uh for getting bumped out on bump day at indianapolis by winning and a couple of accidents but it was it was pretty much uh running around in the cornfield uh with um scott dixon is still leading in the points over joseph newgarden and alexander rossi but uh they will be in toronto this week on the road course and that'll be at 3 p.m on nbc sports network tomorrow yeah and i watched that race uh that perry's talking about uh and it, it wasn't a bad race like i say any cars are great I, I mean they put on a good show and I'm, i might be 
out of Daryl goes on a lot of trips with his wife. They they do uh, uh, it's a it's an organization she belongs to. I'm trying to think of the name of it, but she's way up in and, and they actually got to see a few laps several years ago of them running around Toronto, Toronto with the mm-hmm. Indy cars. And Daryl said it was pretty pretty wicked. Well, that's where they'll be pretty tomorrow. Wicked. And then if you want to wake up early enough, the um, or, or last week the uh, they ran the British Grand Prix, which Gene had to bail me out on because I didn't I didn't write down where they were running. And Sebastian Vettel won that. Yep. And one of the big uh, accomplishments I did this week, you know, we have a, an American team running with uh, the Haas Ferraris, and uh, you know Ferrari is a sold a sold a bunch of equipment to Haas because you know they don't normally do that but uh Kevin Magnuson is running ninth in the points but I could not and I've always stumbled for two or three years now over their other driver which is spelled Romaine Gross Jean but I googled it last night and and as a lady will pronounce it for you several times and it's Roman Roshan so I wasn't even close but Roman Roshan drives the other Ferrari and uh at the British Grand Prix, Magnuson was ninth, so he did pick up a point, and Roman Groschan uh, finished out of the points. But they will be running at Hockenheim, Germany, next next uh, uh, next next week. Let's see, I've screwed up again. It's next week or today or tomorrow. Yeah, I can't remember. How's, they uh, might be taking a week off. I don't know. How's Hamilton running? Uh, well, I got the points right here, Greg. I'm glad you asked. Hamilton is um, second in points, eight behind. And it looks like it's coming down between Vettel and Hamilton because uh, Kimi Rock, um, Rockinen is uh, 55 points back, and that's pretty yeah. far. And finally, the um, of course, we know the cup cars last week ran at Daytona and tore off all the cars, but they'll be at 2 o'clock tomorrow. Um, and... Uh, Kentucky, I'm sorry, tonight at Kentucky. I'm sorry, tonight at Kentucky. And next Sunday, they'll move the, a track you don't care much for, Loudon, New Hampshire. <laughs> no, I don't. I, and I know y'all used to I, talk about that. At, um, a good time I, for me and the pilot to go buy some shoes. They had a Bass, bass Shoes store, <laughs> not Bass Pro Stock. I mean, um, that's where they made them. We'd go get us a couple of pairs of shoes and finally make it out to the racetrack. That's pretty much when I'd let the crew chief got to be the team manager that day um i wanted to make one more comment on the the finish last week when they tore up all the cars at, at daytona third place went to aj allmendinger and fifth place went to chris boucher and those were two cars their team cars 37 and, and 47 of uh brad daughtery the used to play uh for university of north carolina played for the cleveland cavaliers african-american car owner and um, that car is owned by also uh, three other gentlemen. So it's called JTG Darty Racing. But Brad's the most visible one, mainly because he's about nine feet tall. And um, good go. announcer too. Yep, Gene. Oh, just to jump in, uh, Hockenheim is next. Uh, is twenty second. Twenty second. See, I, he's my backup. He's my Grand Prix backup. <laughs> but um, I love doing the two-hour show, fellas. It worked. I thought it worked out real well. I think, I think it worked real good. Hint, hint, hint. Yeah. Work, worked real good. We can get uh, some more of these. We can do some more interviews. We can definitely beef up the local stuff. Uh, Ricky Rudd was great. Don't forget next week, Daryl Walter, who uh Hall of Famer, and you don't get much bigger than Daryl, and we appreciate it. And we pretty sure we're going to get Paul Menard the week following, and I know the week after that, I talked to Becky, we're going to 
talk to somebody within NASCAR circles, well, whether it be Helton or somebody, and they tell us what all what all they're going to do to fix this thing. We appreciate everybody listening. Take it easy this week, and um, come back, visit with us next Saturday morning on Start Your Engines. And in the meantime, keep it between the fences. You've been listening to Start Your Engines. Tune in each Saturday morning at 10 during the season for the very latest in auto racing news, interviews, and guests from around the sport. To find out more or order Perry Allen Woods books on motorsports, visit McFarlandBooks.com. Start Your Engines has been a presentation of Fox Sports Spartanburg, LLC. All rights reserved.